0: good morning everybody and welcome to the 307 rpg podcast my name is patrick
1: Uh, i'm nolan i'm zach (laughs) gentlemen how are we doing today we're hanging in there doing well Try, so try much trying to stay news.
0: cool. It is so cold. It is so hot out today. Oh my gosh. I'm sitting in my, my office and my office has no air conditioning and a uh, eastward facing window. So the sun is just beating and I have blackout curtains up and I can feel the heat radiating off the curtains. This is not going to be a pleasant day, my friends. <laughs> Joining us today is Andrew Bishkinski. Andrew is a tabletop RPG designer who works on Adventure League, the DM's Guild, and other crowdsource projects. Andrew has worked for several, or with several freelance RPG publishers, including our friends at Bite Size Gaming. Uh, he is here to join us to talk about his projects, which we're, we're going to get to later after the news. Andrew, welcome to the show.
2: Uh, thanks for having me on.
0: Nice to meet you all. Nice to meet you as well. We are very excited to have you on the show to talk about your latest project, Den of Assassins, which is currently kicking ass on kickstarter by the way congratulations thank you uh, so we will be getting to that in just a second we do have a lot of news to cover but before we jump into the news i would like to take a moment and say happy anniversary to my dear friend nolan and his wife janae 11 years my friend congratulations
1: thank you thank you yeah it was uh it's weird time goes fast and slow at the same time and when you put numbers on it you realize how old you are and it is <laughs> weird huh? That's something I say to you all the
0: time. How old I am? Uh, it's hard to believe that I've known you for all but one year of your marriage.
1: I know it. It again, time goes fast and slow at the same time. That's right. That's right. All right. So we do have a lot of news to get to. And we do want to talk
0: about Den of Assassins, so we need to dive right into it. And we are going to start with Dungeons and Dragons, where two books were announced this week for D&D. The Wild Beyond uh, the Witchlight and Strixhaven, a Curriculum of Chaos. We're going to start with The Wild Beyond the Witchlight. This book is scheduled for a September 21st release. Nolan, you're a DD and d guy. What can you tell us about this book?
1: Yeah, so it looks like we're finally getting a little trip over to the Feywild. Uh, I know it's been teased and talked about and mentioned quite a bit. Um, I, they haven't given us a ton of information. Uh, the big kind of spoiler was the, the the image and where we're going. Um, they do plan on giving us more when it's time for their D uh, and D live and. July sixteenth and seventeenth, I believe, is when it was. Um, but they have promised new characters, monsters, mechanics, and story hooks suitable for all players and experience levels. Um, one of the things that uh, Zach was talking about was like the carnival, uh, you know, if, and 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 some of that stuff. If there's going to be, uh, I don't, know, we've seen it with the Ravenloft of uh, them being able to transverse and, and travel that way. Now, are we going to get an interplanar? carnival circus and like I'm kind of curious about just some of the the ways people travel uh and all that there but um the the fantasy art looks really cool I think and I could be wrong if that's a displacer beast uh in a, a very stylized art um but I'm I'm excited for the Feywild. I'm curious about it. I think there's a lot of opportunity to have the crossover stuff and tell a really cool story uh, of seeing what has been gone, what has come back, and getting more and more creatures and monsters. There's nothing quite like seeing a a beautiful little uh, bunny and getting attacked just like uh, Monty Python's. So, Zach, what do you think? What are your thoughts on this new book?
3: Uh, I don't know what to think yet. I'm just wondering: is it going to be like a like a Dungeon of the Mad Mage or tales of the yawning portal book where it's just a series of adventures and you fit them in wherever you want to, or if it's supposed to be like tomb of annihilation and you're supposed to play through a story.
0: Well, you know, they say it's the next big adventure. So I'm going to guess it's actually going to be like tomb of annihilation where you're playing through the story.
3: Yeah. So,
0: so yeah, I'll be curious how that plays out. Uh, Andrew, when, when we have guests on our show, we like to include them in the discussion before we get to their topic. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on this book? Well, I
2: wore my killer bunny shirt uh, in, in honor of the Wild, obviously. Um, maybe not that killer. He's reading a book. But, um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm pretty heavy into D&D as well. There were a couple of interesting tidbits that kind of uh, came out when they showed sort of the back page of the book and stuff like that. The adventure in it is one to eight, which is an interesting level range because There's been a lot of kind of, I guess, loud minority calling for higher level stuff. But uh, this is one to eight. And as Nolan mentioned, it does have the curious for all ages, which is not the way that they usually describe their adventures. So that's a peculiar, peculiar thing. And yeah, I'm curious to see to what extent it's a setting and to what extent it's an adventure, because um, for myself, who plays a lot of Adventurers League, we know the September book is always like the main adventure. So the fact that this might be half adventure, half setting is really interesting.
1: See, and I was curious about that because I didn't see the uh, I didn't see the numbers. Usually, they bland that right on the front of it. Adventure for one through twelve, and that's always kind of what they are. I'm. I'm curious now that you say that because i totally miss that if we will get something like uh the dragon series if we will see a one through eight and then maybe an eight through 15 later because like you said how can you have you know half book half adventure and not have more i don't Mm -hmm. know payoff coming in the future so maybe we'll get a a continuation of this tale maybe it'll be a series because there is a a a not so silent minority who wants to see some especially in the Fae Wealth, right? I want to see an eighth level Fey Guardian style, you know, frost queens, st- you know, give me something epic. We're going there. Let's, let's kill the party. Right. You think they've just finally accepted
3: that the, like the, The campaign falls apart by the time that people hit level seven and they're just like, yeah, you're only going to hit level eight anyways. (laughs) That
0: could be. Um, Here's my question, though. We were promised a new we were promised a new setting and we were promised it was going to be. If I remember correctly, it was a setting that we knew. Obviously, it's the Feywild. We're not getting Dragonlance. We're not getting the others that we had all hoped for, like Spelljammer we're getting the Feywild. wild and I'm curious oh Andrew, you look like you have something to say to that uh
2: so um what's his name um the lead producer of d d actually Perkins? he tweeted about this um uh, no uh, sorry winninger I forget his first name which um, uh, means I'll never get hired again uh, but um um I forget but yeah he actually tweeted he said there is another release between those two books and he didn't say really? what it was
0: Okay, well, that's going to be a tight release, because this one's scheduled for, what, September, and then Strixhaven's scheduled for, if I remember correctly, November, so that, that means we're going to have another book in October. Yep. Okay. Wow. Well then I'll be quiet and keep my fingers crossed for a setting that we all know and love, uh, whichever one that may be. So that is coming out, like I said, uh, September 21st. I do, I mean, just what I've seen of the cover art, that cover art looks pretty slick. And you guys know, I love art. And when I look at that book, that book looks amazing. I love that, that big top carnival feel, the jester. And I don't know who that guy is in the background. I immediately think for whatever reason, private eye. He strikes me as a private eye. I love the top hat he's wearing, and I don't know what that watch is that he's holding, but... It looks like it's magical of some sort. So I think this book looks amazing. I hope it's going to be as amazing as it looks. But we did get a second book this week, and I want to bounce over to that. And that is Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos. Uh, this is, of course, a Magic Crossover book, and this one is set for a November 16th release, which isn't even a month later. Uh, I did grab the the quote from uh, D&D Beyond, so I'll read that real quick. Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos, brings the famed University of Spellcasters from Magic the Gathering word to D and D for the first time. The book will be the third campaign setting to take D and D players to an MTG plane with guild masters guide, Ravnica and mythic odyssey of Theros being the first two Strixhaven university is comprised of five colleges where students specialize in certain areas of magical study students at, uh, prismari for example are creatives who see magic as an art form while students who attend quandrix study the metaphysics of the universe in order to wield it check out the breakdown of the schools of five colleges below and i didn't grab all that so you can go to dnd beyond to check that out zach i want to start with you because i kind of know how you feel about mtg crossovers especially when i took a look at the, the the look on your face before you started smiling so what are your thoughts on this one
3: i i have mentioned this before but i don't play magic the gathering so i have zero investment in planes walking or going to these other worlds and so rather than finding it approachable or appreciating it i can't stand them i hate them and i just don't i don't want everything to be vertically integrated
0: well, we've talked about this before and, and really it is a great business model that Watts is using to bring players across the camp or across the, uh, the brands. And I think it's, I think it's a good idea. I may not agree, like the book, but I think it's a good idea. Nolan, or yeah, Nolan, we'll go to you next. What are your thoughts on this one?
1: Um, uh, so from a standpoint of it being a D and D versus magic thing, uh, kind of the same boat, it doesn't, the crossover thing doesn't excite me. Uh, but there are, um, this, this very easily could be a Hogwarts in your campaign. You don't need to have anything magic related other than you could keep the names and the titles. Um, the For me, from a player standpoint, this came out as the Unearthed Arcana. Uh, so you actually got to see how the subclasses were and the colleges. And I thought that was really interesting because you choose the college instead of the subclass. So I could be a warlock, you could be a wizard, and we could both go to the uh, lore college. And then our bumps and levels, I will gain warlock things. But when it comes to the subclass things, we will gain the same classes because we learn the same classes. We just learned in a different way. Um, I thought that was a really interesting way to approach uh, character building. Um, It, it, to me, it felt, it felt like old school prestige classes. Um, And I know that we will never get them because that was something that was not, ever i guess popular for fifth edition according to the polls um but i think this would be an interesting way to not tack on power level but it would be neat to be uh you and i both went to the same assassin school right and i'm a fighter and you're a rogue and we have a similar skill set along that path Um, but i'm still the muscle we're still that there so you could create these little pockets of uh you know a group uh, uh, a circus, uh, you know, whatever you want to create and follow that same path. And you wouldn't have to worry about, you know, you could create so many cool opportunities with this of, uh, just different groups, uh, collections, you know, a bard, a rogue, uh, and a druid are all a part of this, you know, circus carnival or whatever. You all have a similar skill set. You just get there differently to entertain the crowd. You know, it's, I don't know. I, yeah. I think it's casting magic missiles. (laughs) Well, depending on what it is. So, like uh, lessons of the past for the magic uh, major lore. Every person that goes to this college at sixth level can, through your studies, you learn how to better listen and take heart to the teachings of history. When you bond with an ancient companion, so apparently everybody in lore gets a companion. So now you're a warlock, a bard, a fighter with this ancient construct companion, and you can teach it to be a healer, a sage, or a warrior. Uh, And so it's one of those things of. I don't know. It, it opens up so much more. A lot of times I say, you know, I, I want to be a rogue who's also a little bit of a paladin, right? I want to be the church's assassin, but that's hard for me to navigate and make and make the theme, you know, sneak in a smite or sneak in something like that for that moment. Um, I think this here would just open up, be what you want to be in the subclass and go get it. Like, again, how you get there doesn't matter as long as you get to play the character you want to play. So leave uh, it to
0: you to think of it that way. Cause I would have never thought of it that way.
1: I, I, that's, that again, it's just from a class thing. As far as throwing the lore into your game and stuff like that, uh, magic always has the the magic crossovers have always have the best magic items, um, and so if those find a way into my D and D campaign, I'm happy because the Eldritch Blast uh, Bracer, uh, I still would like to get in my game at some point because that thing is broken and amazing. So, but the, the UA was all about it as well, uh, as far as the the subclasses for testing. So it, it's getting close. Gotcha. i get all that but just don't put it in a magic game just don't put it in the magic book i, I will make I your will, own setting i will send you the book and i will cross out anything that's Says just, magic that's it yeah just, yeah just welcome welcome just, to uh, yeah arvold the gathering and enjoy my <laughs>
2: <laughs> andrew are you a magic player i am not i like I know what it is. And at one point, about 15 years ago, I downloaded magic the gathering online and maybe spent some money in it. And, uh, which is now lost in the bowels of my long dead previous computer. Um, (laughs) so, um, however, yeah, I kind of like the discussion that we had uh, here between Zach and Nolan, it pretty much encompasses how, you know, the word on the street, if you will, amongst people. I have to say that, with the, I don't know if it's the magic school appeal or whatnot, most of the people I kind of, you know, in my community and such, I very much on kind of Zach's side of things. It's like, we don't want this magic the gathering, just give us D settings, et cetera. But at the same token, I'm finding that this is the first of the magic books where even those people are like, but a magic school would be pretty cool. It's a, it's like no, We're I hate want magic. Hogwarts. I never wanted. But this would be pretty cool. <laughs> um yeah.
0: So I, you know, I, I'm obviously I'm, I'm a magic player. I'm a magic judge. Um, and I, I I do I do love magic. Now I have not played magic in a while because of other circumstances. And frankly, I think I only bought like two packs of Strixhaven because it just wasn't. I don't know. I. Wasn't as into it as, as I have been other other sets. Uh, come talk to me when the Lord of the Rings set comes out. However, um I think there's cool things that can be taken out of each of these books. Now, I I, I did buy Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica again. It was that first crossover. I was like, okay, I want to see what this is like, so I bought it. I did not buy the Mythic Odysseys of Theros, even though Theros was one of my favorite Magic sets. Um, I probably won't buy this book, but I may do some a la carte
1: stuff on D&D Beyond. Um, my, my final thought on that one there, and just for the standpoint of... I had never heard of Strixhaven before, um, and then from a, from a Magic player standpoint... I was not excited about the Mage College. From a DD and d player standpoint, I am excited about the Mage College. So instead of regurgitating old blocks and bringing them and force them on D&D, this almost feels the other way around. They almost created Strixhaven to be brought to D&D. And that's how I feel about it because I'm excited at it from the other direction. Um, you know, where it's like, I, if we're going back to Theros, I'm excited as a DD and d player because that is one of my favorite sets. Um, I'm excited about Ravnica from a... But, as a Magic player here, I was like, okay, we're going to a wizard school. Like, you know, whatever. It's just another stack of cards. So I wonder if maybe there was a design philosophy of saying, okay, this is how we're going to bring it in, is we're going to let D&D guide the way. So I don't know. That's what it feels like from a my excitement level. It feels like we flip roles. Could be. Uh, so that, I mean, two books in one week, that's a lot of news for
0: d and I know that the D&D movie is in production in England, so that is moving along. So there has been a little bit of update on that, but I haven't heard a whole lot else when it comes to d- for Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, the three of you, does
2: anybody know something that I'm missing? Um, There's a photograph of what people think is a Thean knight from the set of the... Um d d movie but because uh, he's got all the tattoos and things and is wearing black but they don't know for sure so you know don't uh don't blame don't me on that <laughs> no. i mean I you think can go quoting reddit
3: <laughs> yeah i think there was a production still and it's just like a photo of a of a fountain somewhere in
2: i, I don't remember hungry or something and it's yeah. just
3: like this could be anything like well, anyone could I have taken they've, that.
0: They've they've kind of hinted at the Red Wizards of Thay being involved in the movie in some way, so it very easily could be a Thayan night.
3: I haven't yeah. seen the and night. I just saw the photo of the fountain, and I was like, someone just took this on vacation. <laughs> It could yeah. be could be
0: all right well that is it for D D. so let's jump over to onyx path uh onyx path hosted their virtual onyx path con this weekend and i was able to sit in on a couple of panels just to kind of hear what the gang at op is up to uh, i did sit uh, sit in on the vampire the masquerade panel which was completely coincidental because i was sitting here yesterday morning working on show notes and the panel consisted of european writers uh matthew dawkins Steffi devon um clara harble and jonathan burke all of which are in Europe and it just so happened that it popped up that they were going live and i thought well i'm working on show notes i might as well watch that too uh, so and it was good i was glad i did they had no announcements for vampire the masquerade uh, matthew dawkins specifically said that they would like to do more but it's going to completely depend on what how everything lines up with renegade games we have a lot on them here in just a little bit so nothing new for the world of darkness for onyx path uh, the big news for me anyway, I know they, they did announce some other stuff, but the big news was Onyx Path did announce the next book in the, the They Came From series, which has been listed on all the project updates as They Came From Classified as if they're trying to not tell you what it is. Well, ironically enough, the book is titled They Came From Classified. And it is a uh, the role playing game that will take you into the world of things like James Bond and all the super spy movies that were so popular in the
2: sixties and seventies.
0: Uh, Andrew, are you have you heard of the 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 They Came From series?
2: Uh, yeah, and I've heard of uh, They Came From Beneath the Sea. I think was the uh, right. one of the uh, one of the previous ones. Um, yeah, I think the classified ideas really neat. I think that period and that kind of. I guess, setting of like the 50s and 60s, I think lots of opportunities, especially with um, where technology was at that time and with Spycraft type of things, I think it's just wide open to do cool things in.
0: I thought it was funny, and I have to throw this in there before I go to the, the other two, was um, one of the things, as I was typing the show notes, I thought, you know, this could be interesting. I am not a big James Bond fan. I love the technology that comes out of James Bond, like the pins and the mirrors and the glasses and things like that, because it is like trying to be as futuristic as you can be, right? And it is so much fun. Um, I also think when it comes to these super spy movies, nothing is better than Austin Powers. I freaking love Austin Powers, right? It's hilarious. Well, during one of the panels, they said, yeah, absolutely influenced by Austin Powers. And I thought, well, that's it. I'm buying this book. Because I think an Austin Powers-type
1: role-playing game would just be stupid fun. Just crank everything up to 12.
0: Yes, exactly. We're skipping 11, going straight to 12.
1: (laughs) I will say when I saw the title, I was disappointed um, because my first thought was... uh, x files yeah they came from outer space i yeah because you said like we can't do they came from outer space they came from area 51 they couldn't and when you when i saw the classified i thought scully and molder and i got super excited for that's like that's everything that's paranormal fbi like how cool what did that be? and then i saw the new one i was like ah okay i can see it but yeah i was super pumped for x files and <laughs> and that was a little sad by James Bond. I would wager just knowing how
0: Matthew Dawkins is going with this, um, think about the time periods, think about how he's developed it. So, we had obviously they came from Beneath the Sea, which is like your early sci fi, right? We had they came from Beyond the Grave, which is like 70 80 slasher horror films. And we have now we have The Spies. So, think about movies and when they're famous. I bet you he's going to do something about sci fi type stuff, like uh, the, the whole uh, X Files type stuff and it'll
1: be 70s and 80s. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's, I just, so, yeah. It's probably that, the coming. classified thing was just like, I was like, oh, okay. My first thought was Area 51. And so <laughs> right. Oh no,
0: I did too. I I truly and, and Matthew and I had actually discussed this at one point, and I alluded, or I actually think I said, So how about they came from uh, outer space? And he goes, Well, we can't use that title. And it just made me think exactly mm-hmm. like you were saying, Nolan, that he was alluding to that it is going to be that type of game. Now I we still have not we've still yet to play the the uh they came from beneath the sea, which we need to do. I think I actually have the Kickstarter or the quick quick start now so we need to just say okay we're not playing D D this week we're just going to sit down and play this game and and see what it's like because i do think it'll be a lot of fun but that's uh, for another discussion zach what are your thoughts
3: um i think andrew hit on something like technologically because espionage now isn't about that you know you have hackers for hire infiltrating you know yeah oil a plants. computer system and shutting down a power plant Which, I mean, removed from it, that's still cool. But it's not like James Bond in the 60s who would have to sneak in there, you know, blow something up, plant something. Machine guns in his sports car. Exactly. I think, yeah, technologically, like, we're so far past where the stuff that they did in the 60s and 50s and 70s and what they thought we would be doing. We're well past that, and so it kind of looks quaint when we look back on it. That's kind of fun. I want the pen that shoots the tiny missile out of uh, the head and then it explodes.
0: Right, right? Yeah, like, and I think that's exactly I mean, just knowing what they've done with the other two games, I think that's exactly what you're going to get when they came from Classified. It's going to be coming to Kickstarter soon-ish. They did not give an idea of when uh, they did announce their next Kickstarter, which is going to be Squeaks in the Dark, a Pugmire series uh, that will launch after the current Exalted Kickstarter wraps up. Uh, other news from uh, Onyx Path, the backers of Cults of the Blood God received a link this week for the new supplement, A Trail of Ash and Bone for V5. Uh, I do Believe this is the last supplement that's going to come out as a result of the Cults of the Blood God Kickstarter. And um, like I said, this was unlocked during the campaign. Uh, side note here, I was very pleased to find out that my copy of uh, Children of the Blood, which is an, the first supplement from that Kickstarter, has shipped. So I'd imagine I'll be getting that this week, which is exciting. Uh, so that is the news that I got from Onyx Path. There was a lot of stuff that was announced during Onyx PathCon that I just did not catch. I will follow up with the Monday morning meeting notes or the Monday meeting notes and find out what else was announced and we will get that in the show next week but there was a lot of announcements from renegade games who also held a con this week called elysium which if you're a vampire player you know that elysium is the big gathering of vampires in a city so we are going to talk about elysium weekend of darkness and the four announcements that came out with this convention the first of which old school vampire the masquerade players should remember the faux leather covered book of nod that was released during the second edition vampire the masquerade well, guess what, friends? The Book of Nod is back. And it's back with some very serious updates. Uh, the Book of Nod is a collection of mythic texts uh, for use in your Vampire the Masquerade role-playing game. Um, if you are familiar with the lore of Vampire, this was like the book. This was like the story of Cain that uh, a vampire archaeologist, not Beckett, was able to put together. Um, so the way the book is going to be presented, it's going to be in a faux leather-bound hardback book with silver foil gilded pages that can the, the cover is the same cover that they used from the original Book of Nod. There will be a blood red ribbon, which, of course, is just for aesthetics. Uh, rich mythology of creation of vampires uh, usable as in-game props, clues and story motivation for players or as storyteller inspiration. A perfect companion to Sabbat, the black hand for your fifth edition Vampire the Masquerade game. Loaded legacy art from the original printing. Um, So that is coming out. And I'm just going to move through these quickly, guys, and then we'll talk about all four of them. Okay. The second product announced was the deluxe artifact edition of the Book of Nod, which I found out later um, that this has a price tag of $250. It very much reminds me of Beatles and Grimm uh, and is limited to only 500 copies. You will, of course, get the book in a deluxe uh, uh, artifact edition cover, 14 parchment quotes here scrolls aristotle de lawrence that's the vampire archaeologist sorry a handwritten journal a stone tablet and a stone tablet air quotes for stone um and various notes letters flyers and old photographs and more the third product is the Second Inquisition, Second Inquisition Sourcebook, which when I told my son about this, I thought he was going to scream the roof off of my house. He was so happy. Uh, the Secret Church in the Hidden State, Hunting the Hunters in Cities Across the Continent's Antagonist's Guide to the, uh, to the Rising Second Inquisition. This book contains opponents of your kindred and their special forces and equipment, information on the f- uh, the fires rising against the world's, uh, the world's vampires, stoked by the Society of Leopold and the American First Life Black Program. New tools to expand your chronicles, including Eldritch Artifacts, magical items nolan uh dozens of dangerous antagonists and the tactics your coterie can use to fight back and the last product and this one doesn't need a whole lot of discussion was the vampire the masquerade dice this will set will include 13 custom black d10 and five red hunger dice and before zach says anything yes modiphius already released a set of vampire dice renegade is just getting their money that's all (laughs) so okay so that is all the announcements for vampires that are andrew i know you said you don't know vampire very well but Um, I wanted to chat with you and see what your thoughts on some of this was.
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm familiar with Vampire from, um, you know, seeing the video games and the shows. I've not played the actual game, but I have to tell you that, like, uh, looking this up before the show, The Book of Nod, which is apparently this written in the form of an epic poem, if I was playing a game and there was an in-game epic poem available in any kind of version, I would be all over that. I have written um I've written for one of my adventures I wrote like a mini tome of poetry bec- that could be used in character and I think for any um, anybody who's running games in the system having an in-world thing especially when it's poetry it's so easy like you can literally just grab a stanza and build a campaign around it because it's kind of this mysterious thing so as a tool i think that's fantastic for any game so i think that is really really cool that's the thing that struck me from those announcements
0: well, and you pegged it by saying grab a stanza and use that in your game because really that is how the Book of Nod has been used. Um, you find a fragment of the Book of Nod, which then sets off all sorts of stuff. Like, I mean, think about like uh, if the Catholic Church, and I'm using the Catholic Church in the uh, cinema. Um, since. I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying the Catholic Church is this way. Um, if the Catholic Church found out that there was a a fragment of the works of Jesus that completely disproved everything that they believed in, they are going to work their asses off to prevent that from being released uh, in the literary media movie sense, right? Again, I don't want anybody to think that I'm accusing the Catholic Church of anything. Kind of the same, <laughs> Andrew's laughing at me, kind of the same thing here. Um, if, you know, these fragments start coming about, there's, you know, you don't know if like the sabat has suddenly shown up in your city and they're planting fragments of the Book of Nod or something has unearthed and now you have this fragment and everybody is working to either obtain or destroy it. And for whatever reason, your coterie has come into possession of it or is searching for it and it gets it gets dicey quick. So that's exactly how it should be used in your games. And it also talks quite a bit. I've read the original book of Nod. It talks quite a bit about like the creation of vampires and what Cain went through uh, before embracing more vampires and Lilith and the Dark Mother and all sorts of stuff. So I th- I'm stoked for this fucking book. Like I I actually already went and pre-ordered it because I was super excited for it. So anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll shut up. Zach, let's, let's talk to you about this one.
3: <laughs> I think it's really cool. Um, I'm not too interested in the Vampire the Masquerade lore as much as others are. I did enjoy playing it, but I think it's, I think it is nice to have something that you can, that's lore heavy that you can purchase, so you can interact with, like, the fiction, but that you can also use in your game. Like, it's both. It's not just... It's not just a source book. It's also a story, but it's not just a story. You can use it in your games. And I think there's just a lot of news coming out this last week. And I'm starting to worry that like things are going to get lost. Because this is kind of a big release. Like that's a, it, yes. The book is huge, and it comes in a literal crate.
0: Well, that's the deluxe edition, yeah.
3: <sighs> and so for all this information... And I think the decentralized nature of Vampire the Masquerade is great because you have multiple companies who don't need permission from one person to do stuff.
0: So that's that's not true. They absolutely have to have Paradox's permission before they print oh, anything. do they? Yes. Everything that okay. they do has to be submitted to Paradox. And at the moment, Renegade is the only company authorized to produce vampire stuff.
3: But there's also... Like Onyx Path is can do some stuff, right. but at the moment they're and not so, allowed to. See, that's a shame, and it makes sense. I was like, "There's a lot of news coming out," but right, right. And Onyx Path is working with Renegade
0: and Paradox to get that to be allowed to do it. And I'd imagine because mm-hmm. I'm sure Justin achille who is the leading the design of vampire stuff, who is an old school World of Darkness person. Um, he knows Rich Thomas, the owner of Onyx Path. Uh, I would assume they're at least cordial, so I I, I would hope because Onyx Path has done a great job in their books. I would hope that they continue that, and I would wager we're going to see a lot of writers from Onyx Path working on the vampire stuff
3: for Renegade. Okay. I was mistaken I, I about wager. the nature of it then, right? But so we'll I see. feel like I feel like they announced too much at once. Well,
0: That's it was their take. big con, so we, we we I expected them to do something. So, but. Technically, only two books announced. So you had the, the Book of Nod, the deluxe Book of Nod, the se- second uh, Inquisition, and then the dice. Nolan, what do you think? What are your thoughts on this book?
1: Uh, the Book of Nod looks cool. The second Inquisition book looks really cool to me. Uh, I could finally be a good guy in the world of darkness. So, I mean, I'm a paladin by nature, so I would gladly uh, hunt vampires. Bastards are horrible. So uh, that part You're got gonna excited. You're
0: going to hunt that What? Yeah.
1: He deserves it. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I want to see the other side of the coin just so you know what you're up against. Cause sometimes that on me that gets lost, uh, like I can't believe these guys show up and they're trashing the party and they're shooting people and killing people. These guys are wait, Oh wait, wait, I'm the back. Okay. Yeah. I kind of had that coming and then I stink out the back door. So, uh, I don't know. I I thought that was kind of cool to kind of echo on what Zach was saying. uh, It was a lot of people's big cons this week, right? There's Mm -hmm. yeah, there's everything this week. You could not have picked a, you know, and again, it's all competition to see who can scream loudest in the forest type situation right now. So uh, there's just there's so much out this week that there are going to be some really cool things that got lost.
0: Yeah, I think you're probably right, and and unfortunately, like we, I limited our notes, our show notes today or this week because number one, I wanted to give Andrew time to talk about Den of Assassins, which we're just about to, and I wanted to make sure that we had time to talk about these big an- announcements because they were big. Um, I did quickly check over Chaosium and Modifius and see if anything was announced. Now Modiphius had a con uh, just a little while ago where they did make their big announcements. I haven't seen anything from Chaosium, but yeah, you're right. All you know, both of you are absolutely right. There is a lot of stuff that are coming in, that's coming out, and. Uh, it's really one of those where if you got a favorite game or a favorite system or a favorite publisher, you probably had some, you know good news this week. So,
1: Well and then we also had what E3 this weekend as well. So all the digital stuff. So now we know about, you know, Netflix stuff coming out. We've got some new animations coming out. There's a bunch of new games coming out that we gotta see, you know. I mean, so it was a tough week to be focused anywhere because every time I turned around there was a new digital announcement, there was a new book announcement, there's a new you know, all that. I mean, there's just games on top of books, on top of games, on top of trailers, on top of so yeah, there's a lot to process, and we'll have to do some deep dives on this stuff as yep. they get closer. Absolutely, absolutely. So
0: before we wrap up with Renegade Games, uh, I just wanted to throw this out there. Uh, Aristotle de Laurent is a Malkavian vampire uh, from Paris, if I remember correctly. He is the author of the Encyclopedia Vampirica, which is, uh, I want to say that came out... Mm. revised edition vampire, uh, but it's one of those, it is absolutely a coffee table type book that no one liked, that no one mentioned for the book of Nod. Um, it is absolutely a coffee table book in that it is supposed to be a complete encyclopedia of everything there is to know about vampires in the world of darkness. Uh, Aristotle de Laurent is Beckett's adopted father. Aristotle is a Malkavian, Beckett is a gangrel. Um, and so he is a Nodist scholar, and again these are people who research the book of Nod right because the the founding of Cain and where he comes from and the book of Nod is something that he has put together now it's supposed to be like the completed works the story of Cain blah 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 um and it is like the definitive and the reason he was able to put it together is because he found those fragments he found the story of cain so i mean it really i used to i used to refer to it as the vampire bible because cain was the founding right he was the number one and this was his story much like the bible is you know in many ways the story of jesus so that's how i used to refer to it in my games um right or wrong whatever (laughs) okay so that is uh ton of news this week that is a lot of new releases and like we said if there is something that you know coming out some game publisher that you enjoy you probably got pretty excited this week i'm excited for second inquisition and the book of not i did go ahead and pre-order both i am looking forward to uh the wild beyond the Witchlight. i'll probably end up picking up that one i don't think i'll pick up strixhaven may do some a la carte stuff on dnd beyond with all that being said we do have a topic of the week, which is, of course, Deneth of Assassins. Um, Andrew is here to tell us all about his creation uh, that is currently fully funded at what, like 3,000% or something, Andrew, on Kickstarter?
2: Um, As of this morning, we're at 800%. We did have a very modest uh, goal to get it funded, but it's kind of exceeded our wildest expectations. So yeah, we're at 800%. 800%. It's a, it is not a huge project. It is, um, that's probably not a thing I should say when I'm selling it, but the, but that's part of it. Cause, um, we're doing it with bite-sized gaming, which, um, you know, Zach wants from there. And th- that's kind of the thing is the bite-sized gaming produces kind of bite-sized supplements that there's all these, you know, huge books, like you want to order a 600 page brick. I think that is really, really cool. And those exist, and I want one too, but that's not what we're making. If you want to order something smaller, something that is not its own campaign, something that can fit with any campaign, any setting, just kind of a little bit of a supplement, that's what Den of Assassins is. And it is all about assassins, which is a word I'm probably going to say way too many times in this podcast. Um but yeah, it's a assassin inspired subclass for every PHB class. So if you always wanted to play an assassin but you kind of want to be a barbarian assassin or you want to be a druid assassin, it's not necessarily about always about being sneaky, which is, you know, the ro- rogue way of assassin and there's a new rogue class which is a little bit different from uh from that so that's the player side of it and the other side of it is the dm things is based on the 12 subclasses based on their themes we've had some of our designers work up kind of major villains inspired by each of the subclass or so there's 12 major villains and they range from i think i think the lowest is about a CR 8 and they go up to i think CR 20 or so so you can kind of find you can you find one that can be a mini boss you can find one that can be like the final boss of a campaign you can be find one that's not necessarily a your enemy or the villain you could find one that's kind of in the middle cuz they're not all utterly evil um so one of them is a vigilante like a batman type of uh, persona so um you know how will you interact with them they're in town killing bad guys are you hired by the crime boss to stop them or are you h- helping them you know stop a crime boss type of deal and then um, So 12 subclasses, 12 villains, and then 12 sort of minion type NPCs, also kind of inspired by the subclasses. But those are low CR from CR1 to, I think, CR3 or 4 that you can kind of pepper in and you can intermix them with the different villains or just take the minions and use them in your game. So those are the core things.
0: Andrew, I'm really curious. Uh, I always I always find, find it fascinating how people come up with these projects and then decide that they want to bring it to Kickstarter. So give us a little bit of back. First off, give us your backstory. Tell us a little bit about yourself and other projects that you've been involved in. And then I'd like to dive in a little bit into the backstory of Den of Assassins, how it came about and what prompted you to bring it to Kickstarter.
2: Uh, sure. Um, so about me, um, I've only been, so this is a fifth edition product or, you know, fourth edition. Um, d and I've only been playing pen and paper D&D for about five or six years now. So I'm relatively new to it. Although I did uh, kind of grow up reading the Drest novels and playing the Baldur's Gate games, it just took me, you know, 20 years to get to the pen and paper version, um, which is kind of, you know, sad in a, in a way. It's like, why did I discover this before? Um, um, so yeah, um, I got into d d playing Adventurers League, uh, which is the organized play campaign. And uh, for a while, that was like all I played. That's it's kind of like a cult. Um, like the, uh, the semi-good cult, like the, like the Mandalorian. It's like, you know, he was picked up by a cult and he's like, this is the way. And people are kind of giving him the side eye. It's like, dude, not really the only way. That's kind of how the Adventurers League is. It's like, you know, you play it and it's all raw. And it's like, this is how you play D&D. And then you kind of meet other people. And it's like, you know, most people don't play d like that. Uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I did a lot of d I started writing for... The Adventures League organized play community content program, um, and I, I've written something like twenty adventures, adventures for that. I wrote one official one for um, for wizards, uh, and uh, which was kind of the highlight of my career so far. Um, doing a small adventure and contract for them, and then I moved into doing different things for just on DM skill. I've written an Eberron adventure, and I've dabbled in subclasses. So that was kind of me and my background in RPGs. And then um, as far as Dan of Assassins itself, um, I've always liked Assassins because um, Assassins are cool. And Rogue is usually my first character in any new game, whether that be a, um, whether it be a computer game or an RPG. Even if it's a space game, I will be space Rogue. I you know I I was playing a Star Wars campaign and was I think Saga edition and I was playing a Jawa rogue mechanic of some kind so it's like I'm going to be the rogue so I've always liked assassins and um I started formulating this project around just because I found a lot of the time hey I want to be an assassin but I don't want to be the rogue. I don't just want to be doing sneak attack. I want to be more interesting assassin. And I sort of thought, well, what if I made one for every class? And I came up with a bunch of them. And then I started thinking, well, this actually works. And, um, why don't we make it a little bit bigger? And then by that point, I'd been working with Zach Goins, who is the producer on this from Bite Size Gaming. i had done a couple of things for him, namely the um, Captain Hardschild Guide to Rare Dragons, which was um, one of their previous pubu- publications. And we got along really well with Zach. And I really kind of liked that he knew how the whole Kickstarter thing worked and, you know, and, um, Initially, when I came up with *Dan of Assassins*, I thought, "Well, I might—I'll publish it on DM's Guild." But most people on DM's Guild knew me for my AL stuff, and so those people probably wouldn't buy stuff that's not designed for AL. So I didn't really have much of an audience. Whereas um, talking with Zach, he said, "Hey, this is a really cool project. I think we'd have an audience for it on Kickstarter and just like a wider audience." And we started working it that way, and we brought in a. Um, I think seven or eight other um, designers and writers just to come up with NPCs, to give it a little bit of diversity and to creativity to you know, give us different things, so. So you have
0: a preview Uh, of den of assassins and I I cannot help but laugh because Nolan said something about a barbarian that's actually an assassin and the very first page of this preview is the path of
2: splatter for the barbarian so why don't
0: you tell us a little bit about that
2: um Sure. And kind of the way that um, I went about, coming. people always ask, well, what comes first for you? Is it the mechanics or is it the story? And for me, it's always this complicated, like, interwoven thing. In this case, I always started with the kind of story concept. It's like, well, what would a barbarian assassin be about? A barbarian assassin wouldn't be sneaking around necessarily. A barbarian assassin would be showy. And then I thought, well not every assassin is hired to do things quietly. Some of them are hired to make a point, to make, you know. And with barbarians, it's all about splatter. Um, so called it the path of splatter just because this is the assassin who just destroys things violently and everybody can see it and everybody's drenched in blood by the end of it. Um, but mechanically, what I always like to do, and I'm um, having played like hundreds and hundreds of, al games at like all levels and like being super familiar with like all the core things that exist and all the core things are missing i always try to mechanically make it exciting to bring it something new that other classes don't do so one thing that is missing in kind of core dd is most of the weapons are completely useless aside from the five weapons that everybody uses everything else is useless so i thought and to build on top of that, the great weapon feat is something every barbarian takes. So now every barbarian has a two handed weapon. So I'm like, okay, well, how do I build a barbarian that's interesting to do something else, to use other weapons? So this one's mechanical focus became all about dual wielding and using these other odd weapons. And their ability is like, kind of like fighting styles, but you pick two different weapons and then later you get two more as your focus. And so you can do different things with them. You can use a club to break concentration or you can use a sickle to disable somebody with you know, a particular nasty cut and stuff like that. Or you can use a spear to drive it through with the creature and hit the one behind them. So that kind of thing. And you kind of pick a couple of those so it doesn't get too complicated. But that was kind of the story behind the, um, the assassin and the NPC based on it uh, by our wonderful writer, Frederick is catch the headsman who is this former executioner who uh, you know used to love his job executing people and you know they decided to get away from capital punishment in his world and uh, you know he went to live on in a hut but you know still likes to get out and do some work sometimes so so that's kind of his background the artwork for catch is absolutely hilarious there's like blood
0: splatter all around him uh, yeah we were <laughs> I love Go ahead. Uh, I
1: was going to say there was, a, there was a joke I saw not too long ago that the king's headsman has to be the highest level character, right? <laughs> because he's got the killing blow on some of the highest level creatures in the game that have been captured by, <laughs> by adventurers. This logically makes sense. He should be a high CR because he's killed some of the biggest, baddest people with one swing of his axe.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, Catch definitely is is that that character. I mean, especially when you look at this guy. Uh, I love. Tell us a little bit about the woodsman's axe, uh, Andrew, because <laughs>
2: this is kind of a cool weapon. So the woodsman's axe, because um, again, he kind of moved into a cabin in the woods uh, and um, sort of does his own thing on his own. But um, he has this magical axe that um, um, works against plants and against structures. So it's kind of a um, useful for breaking into places if necessary, and also for killing the wild things that he actually deals with. He has also a headsman's axe, but that's an ability rather than a magic item, just because we didn't want to, you know, give and and something that powerful to people. But um, speaking of magic items, that makes for a little bit of a good segue is we kind of gave in the beginning of the project we told our writers, well, if you want to include a magic item for your villain, you can, but you don't have to. And then about half of them turned them in. And I'm like, these are really cool. So now all of them have magic items, and there's going to be a whole magic item section. So it's like, uh, OK, yeah, we're, we're doing that. That's great.
0: Well, that'll make Nolan happy. <laughs>
1: I, I like it. I thought that was, you know, and I think, like you said, the first thing I was thinking of, too, of, uh, again, I go back to John Wick as being probably one of the most flashier assassins, but very smooth and methodical. And and uh, yeah, you're right. All all assassins don't need to be uh, stealth, sneak, never know you're there, sniper style. And the path of splatter, I full on would play because I'm a huge fan of dual wield. I, like you said, I feel like it's missing a, a mechanic. Um, and i like that you could play this one with any size uh the thousand cuts with the extra attacks from daggers now i would like to be a path of slatter slaughter or splatter gnome (laughs) barbarian with daggers uh and just you know i stabbed you six times before you even realize what happened to you just sounds amazing like you just walk up and walk away just like what the hell just happened so i think that's cool zach let's throw it to you for a second do you have any questions for andrew
3: Um, I have a couple, but they're going to be more about Kickstarter and your experiences with that. This is—is sure. is this your first Kickstarter that you have been in, like completely in charge of,
2: or? Um. So yeah, um, so I'm the lead designer on the project. Zach um, Goins is the producer. Um, I, I, he, he does say it's my project, but like I said, we're more like partners on the project. He's done a lot of the Kickstarter stuff, but I've used it as an opportunity to learn about all of it. So I'm involved in pretty much every aspect of it. So I'm happy to answer just about anything.
3: Well,
0: what has, so
2: been,
3: she, your, what has been your experience
2: with this, with the kickstart itself?
3: Cause I know there are some companies which essentially are just kickstart reliant now. And some which use it even though they get they they have all the funding that they need from either previous sales or from outside investors, and they use Kickstarter. More is news. What is your experience with Kickstarter, Ben?
2: Um, first of all, we we very much needed some of the money to pay mm-hmm. our writers. Um, the experience for me is with because again i'm comparing it to where i'm coming from which is publishing content through something like DM Scale or drive-through rpg and it's becoming a very those marketplaces both of them are becoming very very saturated and unless you're somebody who is a very established name the i don't want to say the quality just doesn't matter but it's very difficult to gain attention from an audience if you're not somebody that they're already buying from whereas on Mm -hmm. kickstarter the audience and it was zach that actually explained it to me the audience is just excited to help bring different things to life they're actively looking for different and cool things whereas the audience in uh, something like dm's guild or drive-through rpg they're looking for established they're looking for comfortable again that's my personal kind of interpretation and kind of the difference that I've seen. So going to Kickstarter just meant a bigger audience for us. And it meant that um, even though the majority of the project was written, it it, it was written because it's a fairly small project. Like I had the subclasses done before we even hired the writers for the NPCs. So the sub, like all the subclass technology, uh, tech was done. Text was done. Some of the flavor text wasn't there, but they called it. And so we could say, "Hey, we're doing it based on this. We just need you to come up some, with some really cool NPCs." And this is how much writing. So even their writing was done before the project funded. But at the same time, if it was bigger, we would have needed more money. And um, things like art. Without the Kickstarter funding, we wouldn't have been able to go out and because it's just it's all out of pocket. And if Uh you're running it as a business and as an expense, that is a lot of out of pocket for, you know, an individual. No, that makes sense. And I
3: I think that's good to hear because a lot of people want to get into the business. And it's good to hear that through Kickstarter, you can pay those people to do it.
0: You know, Zach, I I think it's interesting that you bring that up because I do think there are a lot of companies who jump on Kickstarter for every single project that they have. Uh, One that I can think of in particular, who I know has the money to produce the games, is Cool Minis or Not, Simon. They produce some amazing games like Rising Sun and um, uh, Blood Rage and Zombicide. Great, great board games, right? But they kickstart everything and they don't need to. But then we have people like Andrew and Zach and and in a lot of extent and uh, a lot of instance, Onyx Path, who they don't have a big corporation like uh, uh, Wizards of the Coast supporting them, they use Kickstarter. So, like Andrew said, paying the paying the, the the artists and paying the writers, giving them. And I know I've seen Onyx Path do things where, like, hey, if we hit this uh, hit this stretch goal, all of our writers are going to get a bonus. All of our yeah. artists are going to get a bonus. We're going to help you know, fund this book better because we're able to pay these people. And that means more writers are going to stay with us. So I think it's awesome that we see these projects like this and these independent creators mm-hmm. use Kickstarter to produce these books. And I'm, I'm glad
3: you asked that, Zach. That was a great question. I if only for the barbarian, <laughs> I mean, I backed the project. <laughs> um, did you see so it? Was, I. <laughs> I, I think it looks great. I love it. I'm just glad to hear that your experience has been positive and that Kickstarter is able to get you a larger audience. I didn't know that about DMs Guild. It kind of makes sense now that you say it.
1: Well, I think we yeah. see that with a lot of stuff, right? It's hard to get to page one of YouTube and Twitch, right? It it It's not yeah. designed to be discoverable in a way that Kickstarter is. You have to, you know, you have to scroll pretty far to the bottom of the page to see 10 viewers past the, you know, 100,000 that get to watch critical role or whatever you know so not as a slight to them it's you know they've they've earned that but it's not a discoverable platform so
2: Yeah, and that's exactly it as far as DMs Guild. If you publish a product on DMs Guild, just because of the volume of stuff that's coming out, and the quality has increased a lot as well. So this is in no way bashing the platform. Like I literally published something on DMs Guild like three days ago, so it's not. It's not like oh my god, I've dumped DMs Guild for the wonders of Kickstarter. I'm still working on a lot of cool stuff on there, and plus you get to play in the Forgotten Realms and Everon and things like that. But um, yeah, I was saying you publish a product with it, sometimes within an hour but at most within a day your product's gone from the front page it's just gone and once it's off the front page I, I i don't know how people find it unless you have like really big personal reach like you you that you nailed it when you said uh, non-discoverable i did want to mention just because earlier in the show nolan mentioned the wanting to play a rogue paladin i don't want to tell you about the paladin from this So the Paladin in Den of Assassins is the Oath of the Headhunter, and it's basically the Bounty Hunter. And it comes in with a built-in role-playing mechanic where when you're hired to track a target, like your channel divinity is literally to commit to the contract where you get advantages to track that target for several days, but then if you fail to find it, there's some negative connotations. So that's our—that's awesome. That's our um, paladin oath of the headhunter.
1: Well, I think when you you talk about that kind of stuff, we've mentioned several times on the show. Of we get tired of spending sixty dollars on a book every time Wizards put something out. So having something that I can pick up for ten dollars to twenty dollars, um, pick up and play, uh, is fantastic. Uh, you also mentioned that the quality now is not that you know everybody has good quality. That's just the standard it has to look good. It Same thing, same thing with Twitch, right? If it isn't crisp, it isn't clean. If you don't have a cam, if you don't have the basics, you, people are just going to go past you. So the art looks good. Um, and I think there's a, a, not an opportunity, but again, along that side of things, of uh, I, I was a big fan of the book of Exalted Deeds and then the book of Evil for our third edition. So now I want to see the, you know, Knights of the Round Table version of this as well. So if I can get my Holy Rogue that way too, you know, I think you guys could go that way Uh, If you choose to do so, if you have that kind of excitement, because, you know, a holy order of druids or whatever seems like the most difficult thing ever to do and looking forward to seeing some of those challenges. But I I like it. I like price point on it. Uh, The art looks good. And I would pick up more, too. I mean, I, I think that stuff is so cool. Cool. Thank you.
0: Andrew, obviously you heard two of us have already backed your project, so (laughs) that's one of the benefits. I think happens often when people come on this show that I ended up backing another Kickstarter, even though I tell Nolan I'm taking a break from Kickstarter, and he just rolls his eyes at me. Um, So, (laughs) congratulations, you got my money. Uh, But I would like to. One of the things that we love to do on this show is give people that like that 30 second elevator pitch. Tell me in 30 seconds or less, or one minute or less, why I should back your your project. This is that. Moment where you have the the record producer in the elevator, and you need to convince them that that they need to sign you. So tell me, tell our listeners
2: why they should back out of Assassins. um Hopefully, because you love assassins, because you've always wanted to play. Maybe a druid assassin. Maybe you want to be lying in wait as an assassin vine, which the druid can turn into, and then something comes out and you jump them. Um, and or maybe you want to be a cleric assassin. Was there holy disintegration um, or some such. Um, it's 12 subclasses. For the DMs out there, it's villains. We're going to have some villain hideouts. We're going to have 50 reasons to have somebody killed in case you didn't have them already. Um, other uh, cool little tools for DMs, we're going to have some feats, magic items just, uh, just for Nolan. Um, yeah, they weren't going to be in there. But since, you know, Nolan, uh, we'll, we'll put them in for him. Um, yeah, it's 10 bucks to get the whole thing in PDF. It's a little more if you want to get it printed. Uh, we're doing uh, drive-through RPG, so all the printing will be on demand. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be really neat. Um, you mentioned uh, John Wick. No, Nolan, that's an inspiration. We're kind of taking a very... Um, assassins was a little bit of a humorous tone to them so something like in bruges is my inspiration for assassins even though none of these things are medieval but just apply them to yeah, or killing eve villanelle is one of my favorite characters and okay um so that sort of thing and um yeah please back us and uh, you can find dennis assassins at kickstarter it works for fifth edition works for any campaign um If you back as a DM, there is a subclass-only version. So there is a sort of separate PDF you can give to your players, just if you want to see them only the player content. So we're kind of divvying it up that way to make it uh, easier for you. But yeah, I think it's really cool. And um, I think everybody will be able to find something in it den of
0: assassins is currently on kickstarter the initial ask was for one thousand dollars they're sitting at eight thousand eight hundred and ninety two dollars as of this recording 450 backers with 24 days left to go so plenty of time to get in on this one the link is obviously in the show notes andrew do you have any other products uh projects that you're working on that you'd like to tell us about
2: um unfortunately the the projects i'd really like to tell you about i can't tell you about but uh i i'm working on an adventure for game hall con which is a big al con and other con and if the border opens from uh, canada i will be heading over to game Hall con to run it a bunch of times for people so if people Come out the game hall and they want to play with me, um, I'll be running my adventure there. If not, I'll be running it online for their online version. that will be one of the others. So if I'm there, I'll be running it in person. And um, have a very exciting Eberron project coming, coming out, which I can't tell you about because of things, but I can tell you that it's Eberron and it's coming out really soon on DMs Guild. And uh, if you follow me on uh, Twitter or anywhere else, um, you'll hear all about it.
3: Zach,
0: Nolan, any other questions for Andrew? i don't have any i
3: got i got one because we've talked before about like the fantasies that you can't play in fifth edition and i hadn't realized until now that the assassin is one of them (laughs) because the assassin subclass is just about sneak attacking people you know it's not about like blowing up the car in front of someone so their car has to stop and then john wick goes in and takes them out what's another fantasy that you don't think fifth edition allows you to play out? And would you give that fantasy the same treatment that you're doing right now?
2: Um, I think the, the biggest thing for me, and it's, um, I don't even know if it's a specific fantasy, but it's this idea of, it's a fifth edition Lex in social mechanics, for lack of a better term. And it's this idea of coming into an encounter and your encounter in real life time is a one-hour tense conversation with somebody, where you're actually using abilities and mechanics to get the best of them in the conversation. But you know, um, you're also just talking. Like fifth edition approaches it in a very sort of loosey goosey way. You talk, you talk for half an hour, and then you on, roll one persuasion check, and there you go. Which I think is really It lacks that tension of that conversation and as well as it tied to some kind of a mechanical thing. It's like, well, I move the conversation in my favor by doing this mechanically or by using that ability mechanically where you kind of can over time, like build the tension and do it kind of like a combat. Like, a combat, like, builds over, like, an hour or whatever. And it doesn't do that with social. So that's, like, that's a fantasy of mine is, like, because there's always these moments in movies and in books where there's this really intense conversation where everybody's just about to die, hinging on how it goes. And, um, like, I would love to do that in fifth edition. And maybe other systems do it better. But I'd love to do it in fifth edition. And um, I may one day. I... I've not explored it. Like I've I've done some mechanics, like in a unique um, social mechanics, but not like a full thing. So, does that kind of answer your question?
3: Yeah, no that that does answer my question.
0: Andrew, thanks again for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Join us next week as we will be joined by the creator of Vampire the Masquerade, Mark Reinhagen. Mark is joining us to talk about the latest project that he is working on with, of all people, our friend Zach Goins at Bite Size Gaming. And before we sign off, I do want to take a moment and just give a huge, huge shout out to Zach Goins and the crew at Bite Size Gaming. Zach has sent so many creators our way to be on our show, and I truly cannot tell him enough how much I appreciate it. I hope one day, Zach, that all of us can meet in person at a con somewhere that is our show for this week everybody thank you so much for listening
1: we'll see you next time thank
0: you very much cheers